I decided to go southern. I don't know what I'm doing in general. Needless to say, we're back. Back again for the very 22nd time. Or there's a number in there somewhere. We'll get it all right one of these days. Once again, we're back. Back in action with Kayla Newell, the tattoo goddess extraordinaire. We talk a bit about her career with uh, UV reactive tattoos and how she became a pioneer in the tattoo industry. We also talk about toxic femininity. And Kayla asks me one of the most important questions of all time. What is the weirdest place that I've made whoopee? Do you really want to know the answer? Well, the answer is going to come up here soon, along with some other bits and or pieces of information. But I wanted to say thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for, uh, you know, coming back for another uh, little bit of fun. But I want to ask you to uh, rate, subscribe, and review. Help us build, you know, help us keep pushing, keep that momentum up. I hate asking, you know, to for you to do this, but we're here and that's why you're here hopefully once again if you are wondering where you can find kayla if you're like hey this person seems really cool and i want to get to know them a little bit more on ig that is instagram you can find her at kaylar i'll spell that out for you that is k a y l a five r's not the number five but r r r r r that is kaylar you can find her on Instagram. If you have any booking inquiries, you can hit her up at KaylaNewell420 at gmail.com. You can find that in the episode description as well. So once again, thank you very much for uh, coming back, listening to part two. If you haven't heard part one and you want to hear about Kim Cattrall's, you know, scatting career and a bunch of other fun stuff like that, then you should go back and check out part one. But we're going to get part two underway right about meow. So, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Making art in general, you know, it's, it's less about what it means. It's more about the vibe, you know? Yeah, totally. Slinging vibes. Vibe slinging. This uh, this guy that I follow on Twitter, for some reason, posted you know just like some hip hop loop type shit without drums, so it's just like a sample loop. And he was like looking for people to collaborate with. And I was like, well, I can send you something. And so he sent me a song, and it's like very dissonant and stuff like that. And he was just like, yeah, put whatever you want on it. And I turned it on. The first thing I heard in my head was on some like three six mafia type shit. So I'm gonna put some like three six mafia type like really hype like club vocals mm -hmm. over this like drumless loop and send it to him and he's probably gonna be like huh i'll be like eh. but it's I gonna be something that I'll... i want i don't care if he likes it or not he told me i could do me i'm gonna do i'm gonna do me when people hit you up to work with you and they say yeah do whatever you want that's like pretty clear you do whatever they whatever you want and it's so funny to me how often you do whatever you want and then people are like oh well that's not what i wanted and i'm like well <laughs> yeah that's that's every time for me that's yeah. why i'm always like yeah so do you have a concept or something because more often than not the person is like oh you gave me something and i didn't like it and i'm just like okay. well 
You know, I've had like 10 people ask me for songs in my life, probably. So technically, this guy didn't ask me for the song. He asked everyone for a song. And I said, I'm bored. And I have a microphone. <laughs> See, no one ever asked me for anything. I just showed up and started doing things. This is the beauty of making art is that you don't need it that much, but it doesn't matter. Everything, like I said, everything's been done. So what is the point? There is no point. Nobody needed me to show up with anything that I was doing. And in fact, people told me not to do what I did. But people, once I did it, didn't realize how much they wanted it because they'd never seen it before. So now they do. And I'm like, see, you needed me. You didn't realize you needed me. But that's how I feel like it should be. That's why, I mean, T-Pain is an icon. Yeah, I'm Sprung is still a banger. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, you know, dating a stripper or whatever the, the... all of a lot. I don't like his other songs as much. I'm sprung. Space. It's still when I think when I listen to it now, it's it's like it's still so much more. I think it was like more where music was heading at not at the time. I feel like what was that 2005 or something? The first one. So it's still very like I don't know all that dirty south shit was still like bumping all over the place. I feel like Chameleon Air was a big deal at the time. You know that's like unlistenable to me at this point though because it's like not very good music you know or like the fees not very it's whatever it didn't hold up it it doesn't hold up you know t-pain is just less there's a lot less fuck bitches get money in t-pain like everything he's saying is actually really like hearing it now i'm like you're you're really not being that bad you like want to hang out with the girls ask him her name buy her a drink that's fine you know like you're not actually talking about violence against women and it makes me feel a lot better compared to a lot of the things that were happening at the time and i feel like he didn't really ever get on that tip but he also fucked with a ton of people so i'm sure somebody did at some point it's kind of out there but yeah i mean he was like the most in-demand artist for a grip of years Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he definitely was on songs that were like that. But it seems to me like, you know, he streams his video game gaming on Twitch. Mm -hmm. You know, he's married. He makes Mm -hmm. music and he seems kind of like a nerdy dude. Like when I like see interviews with him, I'm like, I want to hang out with this guy. He seems like a really chill, regular guy. And looking back at him when he's like, what, literally 20 years old with that song? I'm like, nah, this is actually really sweet. He seems like a regular kid who like is really good at what he does. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Especially because when I watch that, it's so funny. The story with like Usher on the plane being like, dude, you totally like ruined music for real singers. But then you, I listen to an Usher song because I do kind of love Usher, of course. Usher. Of course. He's <laughs> but uh, yeah. do you remember the song You Remind Me? Oh, yeah. Banger. Uh, also toxic as fuck. What are you trying to say, Usher? That whole song is like a fucking backhanded compliment. Oh, yeah. Totally. Get over yourself, Usher. Go to therapy. Like what? It, and it's also a banger. So I'm like, what are you trying to I feel like this is manipulative? Oh, definitely. <laughs> My awareness around toxicity is very heightened right now. So. so Selena had this really good story and it really, in all honesty, applies to all of this shit, right? You're talking about, you know, you can't go back and, and watch like old movies and not see the toxicity and the bullshit and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was saying how up until a certain age, 
you know, like she had never looked at a person's crotch before. Right. We've all been at that point. (laughs) Yeah. So it had never occurred to her. So she was blissfully happy. And then someone pointed out that, you know, sometimes you see things in, you know, in the way that pants are fitted and all that. Right. Mm. And then she couldn't not see it. Right. It's any time that, you know, anyone walks by crotch, 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 crotch. Right. You can't not see it. It's the like hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But but that's like I think we all had that, right? You know, it's like for most guys, it's like they're noticing because they're looking, you know what I mean, and they're creeps. You know, and and then there are the people that are blissfully ignorant that are just like, "Oh, I didn't think about that." I don't know, it's just like taking that same thing kind of like towards, yeah, like the weird tropes in movies or like sexism or racism or anything like that. It's just like once you see the crotch you can't unsee it. Can't unsee it. There's dicks everywhere. Never going away. Yeah. Yep. I think it's it's so real with so many things. But I mean, I like to think that that's a good thing, right? Like once you become aware of things like racism and sexism, that you wouldn't be uh, accepting of them in general, that you would be aware of like, no, red flag. That's like, but, you know, I don't think most of the world works like that. So <laughs> it sucks. But even just the other day, somebody tried to talk to me about, I'm such an asshole. But then I always feel like an asshole. Somebody tried to talk to me about Marvel or just asked me if I want, if I like Marvel. And I had to like stop myself from just going off about propaganda and the military. And I'm like, you know what? Just be, be cool and just be like, no, I cannot. I would not. I refuse like I can't even watch it without wanting to unpack so many things that are happening and everybody's like this isn't about that and I'm like it cannot be though it cannot be for me it is about that Ugh. Captain America iron who is iron man is he made of iron who smelled that iron I just don't believe it it's all iron man is one of those dudes he's like bat he's like batman where he's just a rich asshole that ha- that has a lot of money right that's all he is I want to get into Bat. I was Bat Boy. Also talking to discussing Batman with some people as well. Ben Affleck. Batman. Ben Affleck. All these fools—they're just rich dudes. They don't have any power. It's all ego. I'm not buying it. I ain't feeling it. No. <laughs> no. It's not for me. No. I'm trying to outpower this toxic masculinity with my toxic femininity. I'm so sorry. <laughs> how how dare you? Yeah, we were going to talk about toxic femininity. Femininity. Yeah, but now we're just talking about being toxic in general. Yeah. I am brand with toxicity of all kinds. So so drop your knowledge on the toxic femininity. What were you thinking about the other day? Let me be clear. I am just a girl. LOL. I know nothing. (laughs) As Malibu Stacy says, don't ask me. I'm just a girl. I just think that it's important to bring up that women are toxic and femininity itself is toxic as much as masculinity can be but I think toxic femininity is so wrapped up in what is already known as femininity that they barely even get it barely gets any play you know but some some grown people that I really respect and care about talk to me about things sometimes and I'm just like are we not going to address how fucked up the fact that we're even like I don't know like things like you know media things cultural things twilight 
Twilight? Are you kidding me? What the fuck? Like I can't, everything Taylor Swift has ever said, it's like really hard for me because I know she's a good person, but it's like, I can never get over that first song where she's like, she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts and just instilling this like, uh, just competition, the competition between women, the fact that we should all be fighting for the attention of men, Taylor, I don't think so. I don't need to hear more sad songs about all the rich Hollywood men you date, you know, but like, let's re-release it 10 years later for sure, for sure. Get your money. That's all good. But I'm just like, it's the same bullshit. You guys, femininity, sex in the city again. <laughs> really? Sorry, I'm screaming. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. And then I watch things like Love is Blind and I'm like, there's really people out here who want to get married and have babies. And that's like really cool for them, you know? But this is also toxic. This is so toxic. This is not good. This is the problem. It's part of the problem. It's all the problem. Everything's a problem. (laughs) The toxic masculinity and femininity is obviously very prevalent in that one. But yeah, I think it it all stems off like the patriarchal, uh, puritanical belief structure that comes from religion, right? Toxic femininity is totally just, it's like, people or like women trying to say like to, to be the image of what man told or men told them to be right. Mm-hmm. Being a good woman, a good wife, you know, all of these things. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is very much about that because women were created from nothing but a single rib of man. And Eve is really the problem because she ate that damn apple, gave us these cramps. What the fuck? But then we all were willing to believe Mary that she was truly a virgin, a virgin girl. Okay. And I guess we believed her so hard that we could never believe any woman ever again. But it's like, if you can't literally live up to a godly, God impregnated virgin of a teen mom, then what you're never, you're never going to get there, girl. Like We can't do that. I can't be that. I'm sorry sorry god okay even that even that trope um that i was talking about with the you know woman gets raped and then falls in love with her rapist that's like that's like a combination of both that's like just toxic everything but that's like the toxic femininity of the of like trying to romanticize that the woman would want to fall in love with her. It's like a weird Stockholm syndrome type shit. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It is. It's, it's very strange, but it's very much like, I think I mentioned to you, you know, the, I've listened to the whole podcast series, which is amazing hosted by Jamie Loftus, very funny person, but very serious uh, podcast about uh, Lolita, not just the book, but like everything from that point on and all of the interpretations and all of the you know cultural things that came out of it but how fucked up it is that like there's even this book that's like written as a true crime very very clearly laid out is like in the beginning it's like this is the account of like a man on trial for murder who is a terrible person but his narrative is obviously meant to you know trick the viewer into over or the reader over time and because he's addressing the jury in his own court trial is trying to get them to believe him, you know? And so this book has become this story of basically 
the victim falling in love with their abuser because we are hearing the abuser side of the story. And even though that's all very clear, most people read it as, oh my God, it's a beautiful love story. Cause she was like totally in love with him. But it's like, what? <laughs> that's not it at all. If you look up Lolita in the dictionary now, it's still synonymous with, it's defined as, you know, a precocious teenage girl who's interested in older men or, you know, not a childhood victim of sexual assault. Totally cool, Webster. Fucking asshole. The hell. Miriam. All of it. Jeez. I mean, I'm sure I have things that I should be doing, but am I doing them? No. No, we always have things we should be doing, but do we actually do them? Eh, Yeah. Uh, I try not to care too much about all of this stuff. Obviously, we should all be working all the time. The email thing, the stress thing. I'm like, no, it's fine. I have things to do. I was actually working on a quilt before you called me or we started this chat. Yeah. Which I will probably finish today. So, it's cool. How long does a quilt take you? Well, that's a hard question. This one's been in the works since December or January. So, it's like a few months in. But I also finished another quilt before this. It yeah. moved in the process. So, they take a few months usually for like a big... This is like a queen size Okay. You're only you're working like a couple hours a day at most on it. If that, there are times where I'll set it down for a while. That's why they take so long because I'll set mm-hmm. it down for a while and then not do anything. But then I'll do a whole bunch in a short period of time. And it's the the only part I do by hand is the quilted stitches, which that alone takes many many hours. So I try to do an hour here and there when I can in the evenings. You know, sounds tedious but fun. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me really like tedious slow obnoxious things that hurt my fingers well i do things that are slow and tedious and obnoxious and hurt my ears so as you know editing this podcast and and everything like i was listening to i went back and listened to one of the older episodes and i was like oh there's so like there's like 20 drops or something like that and i think the most the most recent one i put out there was like 80 drops and so I don't know if I'm going too overboard. Tell me if I'm ever going too overboard. With drops? Yeah, well, yeah, with the with the drops and stuff. It's like, I can't, I, I just, I, I'm afraid that there'll be a point eventually where people will be like, I can't follow the conversation because you're just like putting all these media shit in like the middle of it, you know? And it's like, they're like reactions. Multiple times because I listen to your podcast when you said certain things, imagine certain drops in here. Like when you said face off, I imagine the face off guy going, I want to take his face off. <laughs> See, I imagined Nick Cage saying, I could eat a peach for hours, which is the fucking <laughs> creepiest thing ever in that line. Yeah. I could eat, you know, I could eat a peach for hours. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Speaking of yeah. creepers. No, no, I I don't know if Nick Cage is actually a creeper in real life. He seems like a... I, w- I would love to... Okay. I'd love to have an interview with him. Would you? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. Who? I mean, no one's settled by him. 
how tall do you think he is? See, that's a great question. See, these are all the things, these are all the reasons that like I would be very unsettled by him, but that's why I would want to. Yes. I bet he's 6'1". Is that what you think? I'm like imagining him. <laughs> I don't think he's like, I don't think he's Tom Cruise short or or like a lot of those guys. I want to say he's like average, slightly above average. Okay, he's six feet tall. Okay, so yeah. So he's as tall as me pretty much, a little taller, yeah. right? I'm like 5'10 and a half. So he's a little taller than me. I was just like, I, I always get excited when I realize that some celebrity like that is actually like 5'8. And then I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Almost the same height. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, it's always funny when you meet the people that you're like, I've been watching you on screen for so long. Like you're this size. Bill Murray was, I mean, I met Bill Murray when I was eight or nine, just briefly, but um, he was very tall because I was eight or nine. So Sure. See, I, I've only met, I've met very few celebrities and it's mostly, I mean, I met Damien Lillard, just tight. We all know how tall he is, just tall. But uh, saw Shaquille O'Neal twice at the store that I used to work at many years ago when I first lived here, first year that I lived here, I worked at Rite Aid downtown and Shaquille O'Neal came in twice and he is so damn tall that it's just like, okay. I didn't even say, I was too stunned to even say anything to him, but everyone else was freaking out and trying to talk to him. So I didn't even try. But then later that same year, right? I feel like maybe that same month, freaking Patton Oswalt came into our store. (laughs) That'd be cool. It was cool to see him, but it was also just like, oh, yikes. He looks like he was not having a good day. Uh, like, he did not look like um, in any way excited to be there or happy with his life at that moment. So it's not like anybody tried to talk to him. Yeah, he's a small dude. Uh, super tall guy that didn't want to be talked to that I would see all the time. But um, in Bellingham, Ryan Stiles, he lives out there. From whose line is it anyway? Right. And he's like the big celebrity in our town. And he would shop at at the store I worked at for five years all the time. And it was like known that like you don't talk to him really like he didn't he's not he did not want to Mm -hmm. joke, be jovial, converse. And it's like, you know, totally acceptable. You know, it's just especially it's that's the one thing. It's like when you're a comedian, right, you make people laugh for a living. Mm -hmm. That'd be the same thing as like if I went up to you and, you know, I was like, hey, tattoo me for free just because we're doing it on the street and we're not in a you know in a studio it, it's hey. hey you know i'm gonna come up to you onto the street and ask you to do what you do for money but right that's now. like yeah going up to a comedian and being like hey funny guy tell me a joke hey. exactly yeah yeah so that's why people do that to ryan styles all the time and yeah. he, he would just be like so you know small town eventually word got around it was just like yeah you, he'll talk to you if he wants to you know otherwise you'll notice him because he's a very tall person. Right. He's like 6'3", I think, 6'4". He's tall, gangly goo- dude. He's pretty tall. My dad is 6'4", so I'm like him. Yeah. Remember when Sam took that picture with Myers Leonard? <laughs> yes. I was telling you earlier before uh, Selena popped on 
<laughs> so we have essentially already recorded material episodes and stuff, right? Probably through July. So the stuff that I'm releasing right now is still... Oh, it's so funny to listen to because I can tell when it's from. Y'all were discussing the heat wave in the yep. last episode and now, which was obviously in June of last year, July of last year. And now it's April of this year and it's snowing again. So I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so we're catching up. I think we're in uh, October for this next episode. Got a couple more episodes. One that was recorded on Halloween and then we took like a six month, five month break, I think until, yeah, I get, yeah. From like October to March recorded a couple episodes. So, but point is when we catch up, you know, and we have to start recording weekly, my plan is to, to start launching like imaging and things like that, you know? So, you know, we'll have regular, regularly occurring segments and you know like have kind of like how radio shows do or like be like all right we're going to our hollywood face off and then like have a song you know or or a set you know something yes. that's kind of regular that'll build from it yeah you definitely are missing a this or that segment so hollywood face off is perfect yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm like very strongly influenced by two podcasts so i'm like trying not to bite those ones specifically just because like they have a lot of really good ideas but at the same time you know, I just, I want to respect my influences. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to take from them by any means. So they do things like top five lists and stuff like that, that I like, I would like to do because mm-hmm. that, you know, everyone loves a top five list. That's why they do that. Sure. Oh yeah. Know? And but I'm just like, <laughs> uh, I can't do top five lists. So yeah, I'll just be like, what's your favorite shit? See, I like that. I actually, there was one question I, I hesitated to ask you because I'm not sure if this is too raunchy. But my favorite question to ask everybody right now, because, oh, I am channeling Samantha energy right okay. now. Okay. And my favorite question of all time is, what's the weirdest place you've ever made? Whoopee. Uh, um, no, that's that's a great question. I have, there's a lot of weird places for me, so I don't even know. Okay, so fun fact for me, Kayla, you may have, because you've listened to all these episodes, but I was homeless for a good period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was homeless for a short period of time, and then I was couch surfing between a bunch of different friends' houses and stuff like that. I was actively dating the entire time, <laughs> and so like have to be creative. I had, exactly, there was a lot of creativity <laughs> involved. <laughs> yeah, there was a good amount of public parks. You know, uh, um, the woods in general is a great place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was this one time that we were in my friend's rec room's attic, like, which it's like this little attic area above the garage next to their rec room in this back building. Totally thought it was like going to be completely legitimate. And then all of a sudden the like the the hatch pulls down and I had to like jump over there to stop his dad from like coming up and be like, ah. <laughs> so that was that was fun. I mean, that might be the I mean. That was the most awkward situation. That doesn't necessarily mean it was the weirdest place. Parents being in the house when you're in the attic, when it's not your parents even, is kind of, that's kind of awkward. That's kind of weird for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I remember the first time that I got caught by someone else's parents, I was at my friend Sarah's house and she, her best friend came over 
And she had been like trying to hook me up with her best friend for a while, but her best friend went to a different school. And so we were all hanging out and then Sarah left and then we were making out and then her dad came home (laughs) and walked into the room and I'm making out with a girl and it's not his daughter. Yeah, I'm like, that's so uncomfortable. Like, where is child exactly he's just like what the fuck is happening right now like, why are these who are these kids and like what is this kid doing here so that was very awkward that's pretty awesome actually i like that yeah <laughs> i just remember he was like who the what the fuck is happening here i was uh 16 well see when you're young too you also just have to figure it out you don't necessarily have your own place or if you do it's a place with uh it's probably got a lot of other people in it you know yeah yeah yeah, there were a lot of, you know, attics and crawl spaces. Crawl oh, uh, uh, There's a crawl space that may, have, may or may not have happened. Uh, <laughs> and definitely the roof of this build, of this ballet studio in downtown Bellingham. Nice. Okay. Yeah, That's and cool. I got I got fiberglass all over my backside. No. Yeah, because it was fiberglass roofing. And yeah, and so we, we didn't plan ahead or anything like that, right? Yeah. And so we didn't. You didn't bring a towel, and so I had fiberglass. Bad. So yeah, yeah. the roof, roof, crawl space, or you know, <laughs> one of those probably applicable. Some of the sexiest locations I could think of, to be honest, the crawl space. Crawl space. I mean, <laughs> check. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot like. I mean, there were so many like friends, basements and friends, addicts and just, yeah, I was a debaucherous or I, I don't know. I was a debaucherous young man. I feel bad for a lot of the parents. They're just like, they wanted to be nice to me because I was living in this, you know, tumultuous situation, didn't have a home anymore. And they're like, oh, well, got to be nice to this cow or this guy and let him stay at our house. And I remember one time I like, you know, cause I was. I, I had all the weed and stuff too. And one time we hot boxed my friend's garage or I'm sorry, their, their basement and their basement. Like you had to walk out of the house and go down and it was an unfinished basement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize is that the vents all sucked from the air down there. And so, so, you know, like the, the vents turned on after we hot boxed this entire like unfinished crawl space and it just filled the house with smoke. That's so funny. <laughs> So my friend's mom, yeah, called me and was like, so, yeah, this is what happened. Uh, don't let anyone smoke at the house. I feel like basement smoking seems like such a dumb idea when we're really thinking about it, because obviously all that smoke is just going to go up. Like That's the worst place to be smoking. I lived in a basement for like almost nine years and it was like. <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to smoke in the attic, you know, everyone or... can smell it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah hot boxing basements so fun oh also there was the there was my buddy's it was like a 1955 like pontiac it's like some old old movie set car nice that was in the garage of my friend and yeah we tried to do the hand thing titanic (laughs) we were making fun of it thinking about when you said that. I did it with my foot. <laughs> my footprint. Yeah. Good uh, times, right? Good times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like I feel like everyone loves to answer that question cuz it's just like I mean, well, I had to go down memory lane into a bunch of like 
things that I hadn't thought about in a very long time. I was like, oh. Right. Most people don't do that, like, unless they're young or dumb or whatever, what have you. So young, so, dumb, homeless, a little bit of everything, you know, he's, he's. <laughs> young, dumb, homeless and horny. Yeah. Not a good combo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you a couple questions before we go. Okay. Sure. Are you the first person to do the color, the, the glow in the dark tattoos? No, 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 no. I am not the first person to do anything. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, we were talking about was the postmodernism. No one's the first, but, um, where did you first see it or hear about it? Just while you were tattooing? Yeah, not while I was tattooing. I actually, I feel like I'd heard about it or seen it a lot longer ago because I feel like, so I'm not sure, maybe in high school, maybe in college that I first like became aware of the fact that there are already UV reactive tattoos out there. Um, but the the first ones that I saw were just like tattoos much more in like the 2000, early 2000s style of like neo-trad kind of tattoos with like full color. And I did see some that were like pink and included like a neon UV reactive pink. But that was much less prevalent than when I saw, like if you Google even like UV tattoos, like I definitely saw pictures of like glow in the dark tattoos, which are a thing. But glow-in-the-dark tattoos, immediately I'm like, okay, that's tight, right? But if you if you Google it, if you look it up, it all basically says, like, this is terrible for you. You should never do it because this ink will cause cancer, basically. That's, like, the shortest version. There's other things that it claims that it does. But basically, I lo started looking into it probably for real for the first time when I first started tattooing which I started tattooing hand poked to myself, which is whatever, I don't want to get into it, but at least like more than 10 years ago. But it's really hard to find any information like Googling things, like especially before Instagram was a thing. It's not like there's a source for tattoo information, but I'd seen these things on like, especially on like Facebook, Tumblr and Pinterest boards and shit, where it's like these blacklight reactive tattoos and you can look up blacklight reactive tattoo ink and you can find glow in the dark tattoo ink, but it is absolutely not good for your skin. The glow in the dark stuff is usually clear or invisible. So there's no pigment. And just based on basic science, how tattoos work, no pigment means it's not going to last at all. So basically everyone's like, oh, it causes reactions and they fall out within like a month because there's no pigment for it to stay. But then I was like, okay, well, if those work, there's also things that just glow under black light, right? And there is these colored tattoo inks that also theoretically glow. So I started fucking around back then with mostly like paint and other pigment that is black light reactive, just to get a really good sense of which colors will react and which won't. Um, so by the time I started tattooing, I was already very aware of which inks particularly I knew were going to glow under black light. I'd seen them in tattoo shops while I got tattooed, asked about them. And basically dudes that I was getting tattooed by at the time didn't want to do pink tattoos. Like they did not like 
the idea of pink in their tattoos even. So I was like shut down pretty hardcore every time I asked for these tattoos and like without even bringing up the blacklight thing because it's not even like I did anything except get really into smoking weed and like black lights a lot you know and then the more you look at stuff under black light you're like a lot of things blow under black light so I just started tattooing and started shining black lights on tattoos that I knew would glow at a point when I don't think anybody on Instagram had really done that to the level that I did it not that I was in any way the first person to do it on Instagram, but I think I was the first person to do it as hard as I did and really try and push the idea that a lot of tattoos glow under blacklight. I met people that had blacklight reactive tattoos and had no idea because they just don't think about blacklights or any fluorescence in general. So I guess the answer is, I don't know what the question was anymore. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, you got it. It was a... Uh... You know, I asked if you were the first person to do it or where you first saw it. So you answered both of those questions. You, you answered go. where you saw UV, UV reactive stuff and that you just did it on Instagram and that people like it. People like it. Um, I matters. think there's a lot of misinformation in the beginning because of the, the glow in the dark stuff. So when people, even the ink company that has been making the ink for many years that I use that I'm sure they know glows under black light. I'm sure they've been aware of that for a really long time, but um, they don't advertise it because I think they're afraid that people will think that it is bad for them because of this glow in the dark shit, which there's like no regulation on tattooing at the federal level. Like the FDA has not approved of tattooing in general. They don't think you should get tattoos. That's their stance. So it's not like there's a lot of regulation going on here. Um, so you just have to be, you know, discerning and thoughtful, which unfortunately it's hard to do that these days. The internet and shit. <laughs> Dude, discerning and thoughtful, man. I mean, why would you do that when you could get clicks? You know what I'm saying? Right. Jesus Christ. But, but it makes me feel pain when he was in that dock and everybody kind of used him as like the shit bag for the punching bag for who fucked up music with auto-tune the most even though he wasn't the first and he wasn't the you know the only one you know I think some at some level he did the good thing which was to put it out there and be like yo anybody could be using this and that was all I really wanted to do I think is just to put it out there that I'm like I'm not doing anything different I'm actually just shining black lights on stuff and like look a lot of shit was under black light I didn't I didn't need to tell everyone that for us to know that but I feel like people should just be more interested in I guess art in in a greater perspective sense and not just about art visually but like thinking about how we actually see things visually you know and lighting is a big thing with that so that's why I think about it but now everyone does it and it's like a real thing so I'm like hell yeah baby choo choo <laughs> hell yeah I like my tattoos speaking of which oh yeah hell yeah I fucking badass throughout I haven't True. seen them since the last session so they're looking good yep now i get attention i used to you know try to just hide under the radar and now people are like oh your tattoos are so cool i'm like yeah they are how does that make you feel do you feel different now as a tattooed person getting attention uh well i feel a lot different for a lot of w different ways right so like the getting of tattoos kind of signified a change in my life in a lot of different things right mm -hmm. um and they just kind of all coincide 
coincided at the same time. But, um, you know, I started getting tattoos, started shifting away from the kitchen, um, really doing reflection on what I want to do and what makes me happy. And also, you know, I've been gaining a lot more confidence in myself. And so all of those things have kind of coincided at the same time. Um, yeah. Yes. And I don't know. I was like, I know that when I look down at these tattoos and like they bring me joy and I'm like, well, why mm -hmm. didn't I do that before? You know what I mean? Because it's like, and I look down and I see my back scratcher and I'm like, it's my fucking back scratcher. You know what I mean? It's, it's like <laughs> someone the other day was like, is that a back scratcher tattoo? I'm like, hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, it's brother. my <laughs> back scratcher. It's not your back scratcher. You see the broken, yeah, little things? Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, it's very interesting how that feels, though. Like, you just, because you chose it and it's yours, and because you put it there, you're like, oh, I'm so much more proud of this now. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. I guess I, for a long time, like, struggled or, like, had this, like, back and forth idea of, like, needing to, like, stay anonymous and be recognized like at the same time where like part of me wanted to be recognized that's like why I did you know plays in high school why I did music you know like part mm -hmm. of that was I wanted to be heard and part of being heard is being recognized and but then I also had this part of me that was like scared of the government type almost like paranoid not like actually scared of the government but like I mean I guess I know what you're saying yeah, yeah, but I had this, like, paranoia, like, there's going to be a day where I'm going to need to, like, be anonymous, right? Mm -hmm. For whatever reason. Like, I'll be well, running... with the internet, I feel like one of the biggest things for me, being a person who people kind of know who is sometimes in a niche circle of things, or, like, that people look at my shit on the internet, it's got me a lot more nervous about the fact that I already put my real name on everything, you know? And I've already shown my face, so it's already out there. I can't take it back. But I did mm -hmm. get to a much more paranoid level for a while. But I was working in a walk-in shop where people could roll up on me. And they did, you know, because I wasn't replying to emails fast enough. <laughs> hey. So upset. Having your personal information also as a woman out on the internet is also. As a woman? Terrifying. On the internet? <laughs> Sorry. I keep... I'm losing my shit every time someone starts any sentence with as a woman, I just have to stop my stop now. <laughs> but you mean when also when men start with uh, uh, statements like no, that? No, I want you to tell me as a woman what you think. So I can tell as a man what I think. That's what I want to do. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, right? Which it is. <laughs> yeah, that shit's funny. But yeah, I will promote your whatever you want on the this episode right so we can promote your instagram handle i don't have to use your real name you can say oh, no. you know whatever you, you, whatever you it's want it's already out there it's already out there baby i'm just me i'm not i have no moniker i have no other name i'm just myself but it's wild because if you google my name it's like i've done a lot more than just tattoos so it's like i'm a person but yeah you can i'll throw my instagram out there if you want Okay. It's, well, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll post some pictures of your stuff with or my tattoos. Oh yes.
You've seen Idiocracy, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> when he says tattoo, he's like, where's your tattoo? It's like one of my favorite parts in any movie ever. I'm really actually <laughs> bummed that whenever I talked about you in the past episodes and I could have been doing drops and I say, you know, when I was getting a tattoo, I should have put... It was just me. Dropped, I should have just dropped a tattoo. Just him saying, where's your tattoo? tattoo. Where, um, where's your I feel tattoo? like I've had people actually... It's like, you know, I've been to some other places and like some people just have accents that naturally they say that and they don't mean it to be funny. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. I like your tattoos. <laughs> tattoos. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. But yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying uh, life in the 30s so much more than I have at any other point because it's like this last weekend, you know, just sitting, chilling, watched the Masters, did some statistics homework, right? I'm getting (laughs) to that age where I'm like, I'm going to watch some golf. Selena the other day woke up and she was like, let's watch the Masters. And I was like, I fucking love you. (laughs) Go off, you guys. (laughs) That's so funny. I mean, I'm on your fucking quilting, so I have nothing to say about this. You do you, dude. <laughs> I also like her because, you know, we're watching the Masters and she's just like, wait, where are all the women? You know what I mean? And then we're like, why? She's like, why, does, why isn't there a women's Masters? And I was just like. Women can be Masters, obviously. I was like, what would you call it? The mistresses? You know, the mistresses? You know, we were joking about Don't that. We started about that. We could have been masters, but they had to literally make the word mistress. And then they had to, mistress used to mean female master. And then it was derogatized into meaning the head of a brothel. Thanks a lot. Mistress. I like ma'am. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, you know, it was fun because we both wanted to watch golf and just relax. But then we, you know, start talking about the history of Augusta. And everyone just being like white slave owners and it's like heritage, you know, those are the type of dudes that are like, oh, this is my heritage. Oh, and, you know, no. Yeah. And, yeah. There's there's three women members of the club. That's that's three. only three. And so, yeah, the part of it is like the, the you know, is you either have to win the master's tournament to become a member or you have to be invited. Mm. Mm. The prestige okay. of playing at Augusta and uh yeah, so, you know, it's fun because we're just like, yeah, we want to relax and play golf. And then we're talking about the racist history and stuff like that. I love it. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's like... Can't ignore that shit. No. It's, uh, it's not... Why would you ignore that? That's the most interesting part of everything that's happening, in my opinion. I'm like, oh, golf is boring, but isn't it wild that, like, the actual history of the place where you're so much more fucked up than anything you could imagine? <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> See... As I was listening to a podcast this morning and the guy was talking about things that he discovered that he loved in his 30s that he didn't love before, one of them being golf. And he was like, it was all pitched to me wrong. If someone would have been like, hey, you can go out on the course, drink, smoke, drive a vehicle, listen to music and dress to the nines with your friends. And he was Mm -hmm. like, oh, if they would have told me that, that I would have been all about it. But, you know, it's like the thing about it is just like you smoke a lot of weed on the golf course. You could drink if you want. And, you know, you're out in nature. It's a really peaceful experience. You know, don't don't hate it until you've tried it. So watching it, though, like I was very surprised. This is the first time I've ever wanted wanted to watch golf. Never I don't before. think I've ever felt that in my life. So that's new. You Most know? people don't. You shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, if you feel that, you should be scared. 
was a little worried for you, but it sounds like you handled it. You guys did it. It's fine. Oh, we did it. And I mean, I'm like doing, you know, my homework and stuff like that. It was funny all week last week, right? I get out of my last statistics class on Wednesday and I'm just like, okay, I got to do my stats homework. I have to do it. It's due Monday, you know, but I got some time, but I have to do it. And I was like super paranoid and I just like kept pushing it off a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, this morning, you know, it's due tonight. I wake up. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it before class. Did it in 20 minutes. There you go. I stressed about it for like six days consecutively. <laughs> it, it, had, it like took a year of my life away and I finished the task in 20 minutes. And I was just like, God damn it. This is like everything in life, right? Like we spend so much more. We spend exponentially more time worrying about a thing that is actually not worth worrying about that I... I basically give it up. I'm like not even caring anymore. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth it. Cause it, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Worrying is such a fucking waste of time. And like, you know, I say this as someone who spent the last 12 years, like reflecting about everything, you know, like heavily, but it's just like, okay, well I'm getting to this point where I'm 33 money is getting harder to come by. I'm intelligent enough to where I know I can make money. Mm-hmm. I just have to do it. You know what I mean? I totally could have like gotten good. Like I had a three, eight or something like that in high school before I started smoking weed, doing acid and dropped out. Right. And mm-hmm. then and it was, just, but my point is it's like, if I would have just buckled down, got a, like a tech job sold out, I could have like essentially been retired by age 24. But that's not what any of us want to do, right? No, but that's the smart way to do it. That's the John Mayer way to do it, I think. Did you say John Mayer? John Mayer. So John Mayer, right? Okay, so... Singer-songwriter John singer, Mayer. Your body is a wonderland, John Mayer. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I'm going to give you this. This is John Mayer's one of my personal heroes for this reason. <laughs> no, no, I'm dead serious. Okay. okay. <laughs> John Mayer, musician, he's like, okay, we need to... We need to figure this out, but the story goes, and I need to do some research so I know more about this. But apparently, he did some like analytics going into writing the My Body is a Wonderland album mm-hmm. and went through a bunch of old like pop hits and number one hits and stuff like that and saw a chord progression that, that uh, occurred more, more often than any other chord progressions. Use that chord progression and wrote an entire album with it. Science for you. <laughs> he played the system, right? He was just like, mm-hmm. pop music, the people that consume it are not intelligent. Like, he, he's like, he knew, he just knew. He's like, I am smarter than the people that are consuming this pop music. I could make that. Yeah. He went and he made it. And now he's a guitarist for the Grateful Dead. And he tours and he just plays guitar. I, I, I don't like the Grateful Dead. But the point is he sold out did and he and so he could do what he wants right yeah and so i was like man that's that's a legit way to do it because selling out you know it there's so much negative connotation to it but selling out is really making money right and it's just like playing into the system so that you can make the money mm-hmm. but instead of just trying to fight the system you know you could at least gain enough money so where you can free yourself from the actual meat grinder that is the day to day right Right. Because when you're wasting the energy that it takes to work a 40 hour week, you know, 40 hour week that you're commuting a bunch to and like 
when you have to take all that energy out, if you didn't have to do that, you could actually be putting your energy into things that, you know, are creatively going to make you happier or, you know, make the world better or, or, you know, all these different things. And so that's why I'm just like, I kind of think that that is the way to go. Like if I had, if, if I were to have a kid, right, I'd be like, okay, this is what your plan's going to be. You should sell out early so and and make money so that you can be free for your actual adult life because when you're a kid you're not living your best life when you get to like late 20s and you're like you're like 30 to 50 like that's your best life so if you can be retired for that yeah you know what i mean sure i agree to some extent and i understand what you're saying but at the same time there's so many things that i think back on and I recognize that my life is like, I've had certain privileges of my own that are very specific to my life that have made certain things a possibility for me. But honestly, I am really grateful for the things I did when I was young though. You know, like it, I did to some extent sell out in that I continued to go, I went to school straight out of high school and I bought the whole scam of college being a way of a pathway into a, more affluent future which was not true but in doing so gave myself four years where I was basically living off of student loan money you know knowing full well I'd have to pay it back later but dude one of the greatest decisions I ever made was using my student loan reimbursement to go travel in Europe for the summer after my freshman year which when I think about it now it's like I would never be able to do most of those things just because of the time and the place, but also like, I would never do those things if I wasn't 18 years old, you know? And if I had wanted to sell out back then, there's even more things, you know, it's like 10 years exactly since I came back from staying in Europe for a longer period of time to be a fucker and do drugs and live in a squat house, you know? And I'm like, very, very grateful that I chose to do that then because I mean, you can sell out all you want, but like, you're not going to do that, you know? And those are some of the most exciting experiences I've had. And I think arguably I've had to sell out to some degree to be able to do what I do now. Obviously I have to make money first and foremost, but I think there's a line, you know, there's a balance because you can sell out and get the money you need and not totally sell your soul to like corporate America tech job when you're super young or whatever or for an extended period of your life you just have to be smart about it i guess yeah part of the the issue is that you know once you get the tech job then you it's just it's really easy to like follow the breadcrumb trail and then get the next goal which is like oh well now i gotta get a house Mm -hmm. you know and then all of a sudden you have this thing that like makes it so you can't leave your tech job right 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 And so that, and then the grind starts again. And so that's. This is why it's funny to me because people always ask me like, oh, why don't you have a car? You can have a car. So I've never had a driver's license. And I'm like, as soon as I get a driver's license, then yeah, I'm going to be able to get a car and then I'll get a car and then my life will get more complicated and more expensive and it'll be harder for me to just like fuck off whenever. So that's what I want. Yeah. I mean, living in the city isn't bad, but like not having a driver's license if you lived in Salem, even I could imagine that being horrible. You have to know people. I don't live in Salem, huh? Yeah. (laughs) It's like almost anywhere in the world except the major city center, you know, like here. So 
I do think of it as like one of the most privileged things about being able to live in this city at all is that you don't have to have a car, you know? So I'm going to, I'm going to stay on that for as long as I can. Cause I know that at some point I will have to get it. Yeah. But the idea of having a house does seem like such a pain in the ass. Yeah. I, re- I really, I was romanticizing it for a little bit and now I'm over it. I think we all were during the pandemic. Well, I mean, before it was actually before the pandemic, Selena and I were like, so when I had my job, you know, working for the restaurant company and I was, I just got my first gig that was almost 60 K a year. And I had like bonuses, well, like not actual bonuses lined up, but I had like a lot of upward trajectory, like in the horizon mm-hmm. and I was starting to save up money and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, like I could see this now. And then pandemic hit and it really shattered all of that stuff. So. Right. And even I guess it kind of started to disperse a little bit before the pandemic, but that was really like the nail in the in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think about it when I don't think I care anymore. I think also when Portland's housing market really jumped up, like it made it like really completely unattainable at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like my friend bought a house, you know, probably 12 years ago for like 120,000 and that thing's worth like 550 now. You know, it's crazy how much like gone up even in i mean in salem which should be a lot cheaper than here is not very much cheaper than here at this point and it's like i don't even know if i can afford to be there so i've heard that a lot of uh like more conservative people that are moving that want to move to the portland area but don't want to move to portland are moving to salem and albany yes but this is not surprising because salem and albany are already very much more conservative places at least it's very split in these places you know like uh salem is the capital so you've got a lot of people that live there to work there who will settle there and all kinds of people it's a little bit more just like income background whatever socioeconomic background diverse but it's much more um it's always been more conservative and it's so close by and it's the next biggest city that it makes perfect sense that that's where you would go from here as opposed to even the metro area because it's like cheaper more so but the thing i always try to remind people about salem is it's the capital so you've got all these state workers but like the um police the main police training facility for the state is in salem so there's like a lot of cops in salem there's a lot of you know a lot of uh all the prisons are in salem the state hospital famous for being the asylum the one flew over the cuckoo's nest is filmed in all these things are still there and still operating you know like i've been to that hospital like you've still got it's still a working hospital it's like there's a lot of fucked up shit that like also kind of drives this stuff you know like i always think about how many people like only ended up there because they went to jail you know it's got a lot it's got a lot of weird shit. Yeah, one of the the biggest piece of advice that my uncle gave me, he gave me two pieces of advice that really stuck with me when I was really young. One of them was, you know, you never hate another person. You never discredit another person for where they came from or their skin tone. And then the other one was stay out of the system. But he was like, once you're in the system, it's 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 all bad. And, you know, there's just so many different things, so many different examples that it's just... He's like, just stay out of the system. And luckily I've managed to, you know, avoid both of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. So thanks, uncle. 
he gave me more of a, a that's like the most that's probably the only advice that my family ever gave me as a kid like all nice. of my family was those two things that my uncle gave me i'm trying to like i have a similar like i think there's one thing that my father told me as like straight up like this is some advice life advice that you should know and i believe that it was a quote from some person it was probably his uncle or some, i don't know somebody at a bar probably told him but i think it was just to be straight up or get the fuck out <laughs> like well that's You're like thanks Good Bad advice. Me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank so, you. I, your your face your face froze for a second. I think little uh, Mito is is starting to play his VR, and once the VR <laughs> happens, uh, our bandwidth just drops big time. the The screen froze for just a second, and so I'm mm-hmm. sending you a picture of your face shot. Oh no. Yeah, you'll you'll get a kick out of it. I'm not going to share it or anything like that, but just for you. Wow, we've been chatting for a while now. Yep, yep. I'm going to let you get out or I'll let you let me go. Um, you're probably tired and want to get stoned. I'm tired and I want to get stoned. Oh, hey, I see your ducky now, too. I know. Look at this. Can I just show you? That is cute. I just noticed that. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Yes. I, I like that. it. I like it. Do you guys get matching? Yeah, she's got hers is like on the inner wrist, like here. And mine's... Nice. Dude, that's awesome. Yes, yes, I will send you a picture. I thought I had more time because I thought we were going to talk. Exactly. That, that's hella funny. You're like, wait, is it today? I'm like, oh my God, I'm two weeks well, ahead. I'm not doing anything I'm... today, so I could do it, and that's fine. But honestly, better because I didn't, I was like worried that I was going to think way too much about this and then try and sound stupid or try and sound funny on purpose. But this is like a normal conversation. Like I would normally talk because it caught me off guard. So I'm like, good. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, part of the part of the appeal of this show, hopefully that I'm trying to go for, is part of that fly on the wall type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's an unforced situation. It's actually organic conversation that you know you can actually listen to because there's so many of these interviews that you listen to and stuff with people where it's just like, okay, very you know, publicist <laughs> or shaped interviews. Right, when really everyone just wants to know what's the weirdest place you've ever made whoopee, exactly. so let's get to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, okay, so here I'll ask you this. I'm going to ask you this question when we were hanging out, but this will be the party part parting ways question. 
Um, do you remember the first the song that you lost your virginity to? And if not, do you remember the first song that you have uh, that, that that ties into, you know, sex stuff for you? You mean make you whoopee? <laughs> whoopee, yes. Um, Cushing the whoopee. Uh, the song I lost my virginity to, I absolutely couldn't remember, but it would definitely be something terrible because obviously I was a teenager during the worst era of music of like, it's gotta be some indie rock bullshit, dude. Let me tell you. I've told you mine, right? Have I told you mine? No. What is it? Mine was Damien Rice. Do you remember Damien Rice? Oh, like, unfortunately, I'm making a really nasty face right now. Because it's, yeah, it was horrible. Right? Yeah, that sucks. I feel like also the person my person I lost my dream with definitely loved some shit like the Beatles, you know? So I'm like, I feel like unfortunately it'd probably be some shit like the Beatles or like uh, if not, it's probably Damien Rice. Fuck. It was bad. (laughs) I mean, it's like Elliot Smith like trying to do romance music, you know what I mean? It was just like But can you imagine losing your virginity to Elliot Smith? Like, that's kind of the vibe. That's, like, what I feel like I was probably doing. And I'm, like, making out, listening to the saddest, worst thing that I can think of. Elliot Smith's not the worst thing. He's wonderful. No, he's an amazing musician. Tortured soul. I mean, there was definitely some, like, some of the Smiths playing when I was, like... I love the Smiths, so... I mean, I love it, too, but at the same time, it's pretty sad. You know, some of the stuff is, like, really... Um, I better than my chemical romance. I mean, that's better than that. I did have a girl, a girlfriend who really liked, um, do you remember the used? Stop. Have you not seen my Spotify playlist? It's Kalar's high school mix. (laughs) Oh (laughs) oh, yeah. Because I feel like that. Yes. Yes. I know the used. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, making out to that before this is like, when I was still a virgin, but still making out, you know? Yes. Uh, see, I love that because all that was hot shit. But in Salem, there's like little little sibling syndrome really hard with like Salem to Portland, you know? Yeah. So the people there are like even harder trying to flex. They're like, let's make out to this fucking B-side rare pavement album that I got on wax, dude. And I'm like, no, <laughs> this can't be. This can't be. Uh, the amount of like flexing on how much you love pavement is like very burned in my brain. Thanks, Salem. <laughs> uh, I've never listened to a song by them, and I will go to my deathbed like that. <laughs> it's not. It's not worth it. Let me tell you, not worth it. Oh, it's not my cup of tea. Um, no, I'd take my Chemical Romance any day, for yep. sure. Give me some Jimmy World. You know, that's all. I'm, that's all I need. Dude, I was out somewhere listening to Jimmy Eat World and I was like, this might be a little too much. I don't know if I can handle this now. Yeah, on my birthday, we went to that mini golf place that I would never recommend anyone going to. They were playing, they literally, unironic 90s soft rock mix. Oh, hell yeah. Went from Shania Twain to Evanescence. Oh. Uh. But I was like, Evanescence isn't the 90s first off. And I was like, why? They, they were unironically playing Evanescence. Like those go together? But also, what Shania? Like, let's go, girls. Yeah. There might have been, a, I think there was a song in between. And like, because I was like still reeling from the shock of the damn, it feels like a woman. So like, 
Savage Garden or something, though. Come on. I, I mean, I would have been between those two. Savage Garden's great. Okay, fucking legend. <laughs> stand with you next to a mountain. Yeah. I stand with you. Okay, here's a question for you. You don't have to answer now, but is there a group that has a more like off like okay so the connotation of savage garden does not sound like what their music is savage garden sounds like a metal band mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is there another band that is like that i mean without being intentional uh, were they trying to do that intentionally i don't know savage. i don't know but i feel like that is a sick name for a metal band yeah uh, i want to hear i want to hear a truly madly deeply metal cover now we could do that uh, that would be oh that would be a good one actually <laughs> all right well i'll let you go yeah I got uh, it was, yeah 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 and i'll do the intros and everything later so we don't have to worry about that oh cool yeah whatever i'm a person i'm a person that has a voice and I'm you can find me voice. i exist in the world Woo! Woo! all right party on garth party on wayne <laughs> <laughs>